Welcome to the Dynasty Point Spooky Season Special. Let's get spooky. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Welcome back. This is the second edition of Dynasty Points. This is a spooky season episode. I'm excited for this one. This is the third time we have had the commander, the master in chief of dank stats on with us. It was previously, well, full tilt dynasty, but now, of course, as mentioned, Dynasty Points. If you're new here, we just have to tell you we are not a news show we are not a start or sit show we have fun here and you should too if you have never watched a full tilt program we have always known one thing for sure this game can rip your heart out just when you think you have all the answers well we can tell you we don't have all the answers no one has all the answers but what we do have is a very particular set of skills skills we've obtained over a long career and with those skills we will always try to give you the most actionable and transparent advice possible Look, it is Halloween, and I just have to point out the Scott Barrett's hat is truly, as I always like to say, phenomenal. We have Jordan Spieth joining us today, coming right off the 18. And of course, as a Paisan, we have to represent our one and only fam here, Mario. Scott, um, Dynasty Points wouldn't exist without you, so this is a huge shout-out. Happy to have you back, and I am ready to see Jacob's face turn beet red for a third time with you on the program. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I fell in love with your show the first time I was on it. I was like, I, I got to come back. I got to uh, bring it on over to, to Fantasy Points. And I'm so pleased that we were able to make that happen. Yeah, it's it's just been absolutely wild. The support, too, from the community. I mean, we have Dave in the chat, as always. Dave, the day one as we like to call him. Jacob, you're coming, or sorry, Jordan, you're coming right off the 18. How did you fling it today? Sure. Um, yeah, I uh, believe it or not, my costume options was basically, what can I not change anything from my work outfit that I get into my apartment one minute before we go live on? And I looked and I saw my golf clubs hanging there and I saw a little hat and I was like, yeah, we can make something work with this in 20 seconds. So that's uh, we were we were flipping it at the uh, at the desk for about a solid eight to nine hours today. Uh, <laughs> truly lovely time. But last night in between shifts, we went through, we wrote a little piece about trading. And then more importantly for today's show, we updated the ranks. Um, I update every second Wednesday, but I knew Scott was coming on. And so figured just for Scott, we'll stay up the extra couple hours get a Monday rankings um, update out there so that Scott can rip them to shreds. <laughs> it's so good. I don't think Scott's come on this program. I think last time it was arguing the P line uh, of Samaj P Ryan versus. And Info. it's been a great year for your late wide. Has there ever been this good of a year for late wide receivers? It's like the greatest I, I'm year not, all time. I'm not a late wide receiver guy. I just think uh, backup running backs are inherently worthless. Yeah, I mean, I would argue Kyron Williams. I'd argue Drove Ford. I'd argue Deontay Foreman. I'd argue Gus Edwards. All right, uh, running backs with only injury upside to start are worth uh, it. I, would, are, I mean, well, I guess what do you – so 
how do you decide on this stuff though? Right. Like Jerome Ford had only injury upside to start and he's starting. Yeah. 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 Gus I, Edwards had only fade. injury upside. He's starting. Yeah. And like Kyron Williams didn't require an injury, required a unique set of circumstances. Yeah. But I think that's fine. Like a bet against Cam Akers. Like I had so much Daryl Henderson a year before and like no Cam Akers. A lot of it is tied into like my inherent draft philosophy, which is I want to be acquiring premium running backs and I want to be acquiring them only in the rookie draft. So I just like do a startup. I full on punt. I have zero running backs. And then I just slowly amass then from there where I, I grab premium guys like DeAndre Swift, Bijan Robinson, or I trade away peanuts for like a James Conner who like David Montgomery, who was so cheap in drafts all off season. There's, there's a guy, Mari DiMarcato, the line of DiMarcato. Um, there's no longer the P line. It's now the line of DiMarcato. But my whole thing is like, what is five weeks in the middle, five weeks of low end RB2 production in the middle of the season worth? And I like, to me, that's just not really anything. Well, it could be understating you, the impact. Well, I'm of glad you asked though. that. I'm glad you asked that because I think this was, this set off like your last appearance on here set off a really fun discussion, I think on Twitter and various discords and whatever. And one of the things that came from that was the question of format. So like when you're discussing this in your mind, like what is the format of the league in which you're describing this strategy? Super flex to start men, two running backs, start men, three wide receivers, men, one tight end, tight end premium, and then like three flex spots. Okay. And not best ball. Non-best ball. Yeah. So to me, that's where I struggle. Like I, I actually do get like in, in a best ball format, I don't want to clog up my bench space with like a bunch of backup running backs because they're not going to score any points until they're going to score points. Um, in like, I want to have like the gross, like Justin Watson's and like MVS's and stuff like that. What's, that's what I want my 28th player on my dynasty best ball bench to be. Cause like they might get in my lineup one day, randomly Brandon right. Powell or whatever. Um, in manage though, especially with that many flex spots. Like I also, if you reduce the amount of flex spots, I totally agree. Like I'm in like, for instance, a 10 man, I'm in one 10 man league where like, it literally does not matter that like Nick Chubb got hurt because Jerome Ford is never going to hit our starting lineup. But in like a starting in a start eleven, like format, yeah, like you're starting shitty guys like a lot. Like Gus Edwards is just in lineups, and it's it's to the point where I don't really worry that much about the floor games because you're just you just kind of want to like find a way to get eleven viable players each week with injuries and bye weeks, which means you probably need like fifteen viable players total. Uh, and so to me, the upside, like, what's the appeal of Gus Edwards is just like. It's just that I don't have to invest in the position because if I just have like enough of the guys, like I just kind of get by and can invest everywhere else, keep a lot of picks, have quarterbacks, et cetera. Like obviously Gus Edwards is not going to be a feature of necessarily the best team in the world, but whether that best team suffers a bunch of injuries or whether this is just not going to be one of the best teams, but you want to make sure that you're in the hunt as many years as possible. So you don't, you know, sacrifice those punt years building up the juggernaut, like absolutely. Last this Sunday, I like saw Gus Edwards score his third touchdown. The first thing I did was go to Dynasty Plan and be like, oh, I wonder how many leagues that guy snuck into my lineup. And the answer was like eight, <laughs> and it was great. So uh, I don't know. I, I I will I will stand those guys in the sense that it's just it's it's harder to start. You know, it's it's where do you draw the line at the receiver, especially once you're talking about second year plus receivers? It's like most of these guys are just are just pretty 
borderline useless for life in terms of a reliable start perspective. And a lot of other ones are interchangeable too, especially at the wide receiver position. It's just, you don't need to have generally speaking 10 of them on your bench. Like what would be an example of a wide receiver? That's not a rookie. That was like basically non-valued. Like I guess Thielen comes to mind, but he's a little different in the sense that he like mm-hmm. was really high valued at one Doug point. Doug Baldwin too. Two guys I had on a ton of teams back in the day. Well, sorry, I don't mean like I, guys come from nowhere when they're young. But I mean, I mean like it, guys who have been around like Tutu this year, kind of. But like I don't know, like Gus Edwards has added more to your lineup than Tutu. Yeah, I, I mean we're we're talking about like borderline waiver wire guys or like equivalent to like a round four rookie, which are just like irrelevant to me. Like it doesn't, my brain spends like minimal energy on that. It's just like, they're all basically worthless. So like, there's no point having, you know, a a serious debate over it. Um, I will just say like, fundamentally my strategy is to build a juggernaut where I just have like the sickest team and I just sweep through uh, the playoffs on the way to the championships and like, Oh, of course he won. It looked like he was going to win in week five. So like if Gus Edwards, who like I view is just like a low end RB two mid range RB two highly volatile on a week to week basis, totally touchdown dependent. If you're like starting him consistently, like that's not a, a high quality team. Like I really want to be leaning into just uh full on tank or, or full on, Okay. You know, let's let's win this year and hopefully next year as well. I think that's really where I disagree. Then is the tank because like I don't want to be spending time tanking. I want to just be like the main the main thing is like you look at how many teams win playoff matchups. Like it's on average at least, and it varies you know depending on team circumstances. But like on average, it's fifty six percent of the time the higher seed wins. So to me, like I I yeah, find but how much like of that is because they're the better goal. team? You know, it's. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Well, it could be either way. Like it could yeah. be uh, like 56% is a really low number. Yeah, yeah. So either right. that means that either that means that the better teams are not frequently getting the higher seeds or the better teams are not frequently winning playoff games. It's probably no, a little right. mix yeah. of both. But like either way, in terms of how low that is, even if you say your team is like outlier good, it's like how high is it gonna is that win equity gonna be in each game? 60, 65? Like in order to even have a 50% chance to win the league, you need to get a buy and it needs to be 75% in each playoff matchup. Like to me, I my view on it, I guess, is that I think it's sometimes, especially from like a portfolio dynasty perspective, more of a worthy goal to be like good in a lot of years instead of like great in fairly few years. And obviously, you know, the the puck like bounces in your direction enough times in a certain league where you can just be great perpetually, but that's not going to be like every single league, of course. I have an example of a receiver that was basically free that you could compete with a lot of, uh, uh, not compete, but compare a lot of the low value running backs and to this wide receiver who, again, was very free, was Pop Douglas. Mario Douglas went from... I'm actually pretty into Pop Douglas. 100%. Uh, shout out. Dude, uh, Patriot slot wide receivers have been a cheat code for, I don't know, right. two and a half decades now. But if you look at startup ADP and what his value was across trades, across any trade or or value database that there is he was free unless you were in like round five rookie leagues he was a couple people might have drafted him in the fourth if you know you were like you know mike or zoltan on x who was all about him early in the draft process chances are he was free and you could have easily got a gus edwards or someone like that now all of a sudden pop douglas has risen from the ashes to be quite valuable so if we were picking a receiver that was free early and who's young that that popped it'd be pop douglas 
Uh, Tom, I'm going to do this thing called a segue here. Um, if you wanted to get a wide receiver with a similar ADOT, a lower targets per route run, a lower yards per route run, um, who is the same year of experience, you could have Zay Flowers. And that's one of the guys that Scott wanted to talk about as being um, overvalued uh, in my rankings. So I obviously say the top pop dog was thing with the tongue in cheek because I quite like Zay Flowers. But um, that's a guy where I think uh, probably, I don't what's the consensus on him? Is he what? Third, fourth among rookies right now. Yeah, I think I think he's probably pretty clearly third until Addison has kind of ascended in these last couple of weeks. Um, Scott, you have concerns about him. What's your? I assume you don't like that he gets a bunch of gimmicky touches, um, and you wish that those would go to other players. Yeah, so so you kind of nailed it. A, a lot of it is just, you know, what did I say when I was on this show in the off season? It's like, to me, he profiles as like an extremely overrated prospect and not around one. Uh, caliber wide receiver. I still believe that to be true. And like nothing has happened to move me off that. So I'm still going to stick with that. Uh, and yeah, it is. It's like, what has he done this year? He's done basically nothing get, except get a shit ton of screens. And those screens are doing nothing. They're not getting first downs. Is His first down per target rate is like one of the lowest in the league, despite, you know, uh, all these screens. Like Debo is always a high screen guy who's who's racking up first downs. Um, and that's really like the entirety of what he's done. So you look at the PPRs and you're like, oh, sick. Um, right now he ranks among all receivers. He ranks 15th in receptions. On balls thrown five plus yards downfield, he ranks 72nd. And so he's not actually beating NFL cornerbacks. He's just getting screens and they're not working. So I don't know why you don't just take that away from him. Um, so, but the, the bulk of it is really just, again, this is a prospect I was really low on. I yeah, I think it's just, I, I think it's just simpler for me where it's like, you have a first round pick as a 28% target share. Yeah. Sick. Like, I don't really care how rookies accumulate their production to be entirely honest. Like I, I care that they produce. I, I would care more like if he was doing like the Traylon Burks thing, for instance, where it was like, oh, he's not even really a full-time player. Like he's just kind of getting a bunch of gimmicky stuff on like 60% of snaps or whatever. But like he is running full route shares every single week. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he's like targets per route run spamming. Um, he's clearly he spamming. OBJ and uh, Rashad Bateman. Uh, yeah. Former round one picks. And so, so to me, like I, I do have like caution flags with the screen spammy receivers where it's like 27% targets per route run, 60% route participation, 5A dot. But Flowers is on that. And then the weird thing about Flowers is it's basically he does nothing in the intermediate, but he actually does get some deep targets. His like mm -hmm. his distribution of targets is basically behind the line of scrimmage, 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 45 yards, behind the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, 40 yards. So like I mm -hmm. he's doing he has some sort of abilities. To me, I just view it as like take a player, first round pick. They think he's already good at some stuff. I, I probably been actually like frankly. Um, more impressed with some of the work that he's done on those deep shot plays than necessarily on some of those screens. Like I'm not actually convinced that he's that good at the screens, um, which I guess is part of your issue. But in general, like I, I tend to not look a rookie 28% target share in the mouth. Like how, how many first round wide receivers with that type of target share like turn out to be bad? Like maybe not great, but bad. Like, well, I mean, if you it? look at all of those receivers of like the screen heavy archetype, None of them were ever good for maybe 
maybe Jarvis Landry back then. I'd have to dig into it, but um, what comes to mind is like poor man's golden Tate, which like was a player who was never valued in fantasy and he wasn't really valued in NFL. And like, I, I loved golden. He like, he was always like Debo, like top three in missed tackles force per reception, top three in yak per reception. I don't see flowers being that guy, but it's also, you know, like you said, round one pick really early in his career. He's done enough to eat into Mark Andrews, no longer the clear number one. Um, so yeah, I, I'm open to being wrong, but uh, he's just like a, a player I love to hate. And I know this is going to piss a lot, off a lot of people in the community who think he's having some great year, where, whereas I don't. I think part of part of why he might look that good is he leads the team in uh, his yards percentage, air yards, his air yard share. So a lot of it is sure, he leads an air yard share. I'm sure he doesn't. He does lead their team in air yard shed percentage. Right. And there, well, so if you look at that, there was one game where he had 240 air yards. And then like minus that game, he ranks like behind most tight end three is an air in total air yards. Yeah. So his total air yard share overall is 28.3%, which is 30th. And that's like, that's not bad at all for a rookie wide receiver, like wide receiver three and air yard share, like plus he's getting all these, you know, PPR points. So I'm, I don't know. I, I'm, I understand the nitpicks. Like, I think you can nitpick almost any rookie receiver. Like we can talk about Addison too. Um, I've seen a lot of talk about like his specifically his reception perception profile was kind of not that great coming out of college. And then has not been that great so far in the NFL where they, there's been concerns from people about his ability to be press. You know, he can, they're saying he's kind of limited. He's only doing certain things against zone. Like ultimately my take with just any of these guys is like, there's an anti-fragile nature to a round one profile, which is that like teams are always going to focus on what they do well, not what they do poorly. They're going to want to hit on their pick. So like, unless their pick is a disaster, they're going to give those players opportunities and they're going to give those players chances. So if they can do something well, then they're usually going to get to do that thing. Whereas that's not always the case for players, you know, that don't have that draft capital behind them where they can, they're far more prone to getting mismanaged or screwed over by coaching staffs or GM staffs that aren't as invested in catering to their success. And in generally speaking, I'm just not very picky. Like if you're a rookie and you're producing and you're getting targets and you're playing all the time, I'm like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds fine to me. Um, so I've been pro Addison. I've been generally pro flowers. Uh, flowers is just the guy that I have way more of because he was so consistently cheaper than the other round one wide receivers and rookie drafts. Yeah. Uh, if you take away week five, Flowers has exactly as many air yards as Alan Lazard, Jalen Hyatt, Deontay Johnson, yeah. Mike Williams. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a Jordan Addison hater as well. Like I, I was re- comparatively very low on him when he was coming out. Um, again, like I still like I'm trying to resist the urge to nitpick, you know, over-reliance on touchdowns. He's kind of only doing stuff against too high coverage. I, I don't think he's a true wide receiver one. Um, and then he fell into the nut spot and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get crushed. But now I think he has played a lot better than I expected. And now I think I'm getting bailed out because Kirk Cousins is out for the year. I don't know that he's returning and Minnesota just might be a colossal dumpster fire for the remainder of this year, potentially all of next year. Um, so there's a lot of volatility to that for a player. I was already not too high on. So that was another ranking that, um, made me pause. Yeah. Cousins is like the absolute goat of fantasy value. Like it sucks. We, 
it, it, we just don't have that many quarterbacks anymore that are like really great quarterbacks for fantasy in the context of great quarterbacks for fantasy receivers. Mm-hmm. Like, because a lot of the new generation of great quarterbacks for fantasy are like actively hostile to their wide receivers. <laughs> um, right. Like, whereas I just, you know, the prime era of like the Matt Ryan's and the Philip rivers, the Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, like, that was great. We just had so many offenses that you could reliably expect to like throw for 4,500 yards, every drop back becomes a pass attempt. And Cousins was one of those dudes. He's, he's, the, he was the absolute best. And um, yeah, we're, we're really going to miss him. Uh, I mean, Josh Dobbs, like could barely even service Marquise Brown. So <laughs> I don't know how he's going to service uh, Jefferson, Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and TJ. He is going to service TJ Hawkins and TJ Hawkinson already is like I've been comparing him to Cardinal Zach Ertz this entire season. And then now it's just going to be like even more annoying. Like he's going to have 17 targets <laughs> for 13 catches and 22 yards. Like I, I hate it. Right. I think, I just think that there's enough. You want your rookie wide receivers to produce. So I am definitely more inclined to agree with Jacob, where I think if we over analyze their production, I think it's just going to lead to, all right, but then why do you have JSN right next to them when he's being outproduced by Jake Bobo? Yeah, what's your? Well, I'm curious what your take is on JSN. Like you, I assume you at least liked him as a prospect. On like these I, I said, he was the second coming of Keenan Allen. Okay, so this is the interesting one in that, like I, like Pook has been undeniably great. Although I still have like some nitpicky concerns with him too honestly just because i'll always would rather nitpick the round five guys um flowers and addison have been like very productive if you want to nitpick you can nitpick jsn has been not productive um better the last few weeks certainly this one's a struggle because it's not been like qj for instance i looked at and i was like i don't really like this prospect but he has upside and then when he came out and stunk, it's pretty easy for me to be like, yeah, he probably stinks because I kind of already thought he stinks. Whereas JSN stinking based solely on my priors would be a truly stunning outcome to me. So I'm trying to give him a lot of leash where it's like the priors were so strong that he needs to be like aggressively horrible for me to overcome that. Mm-hmm. And we were getting there, but he also had injury um, kind of excuses comes back from the bye week and it's been better over the bye week. The efficiency has finally started to get there. He had like a couple, like not legit, but like semi-legit volume earning games. Like at least like you are an NFL player level volume earning games. What the hell do you do with him? I I think where I am at with it now is like, once I get to wide receivers that I don't think are going to make a massive difference to me over the long term or in the near term, I would just rather have him. Um, But it's a tough one for sure. He's another one. And it's like so hard to like gauge how well he's doing. He has a worse than Zay Flowers. He's like a running backs a dot 4.7. I, I don't know why you that. would use that guy in this way. Um, and that's part of it too, is like Pete Carroll's weird and he does weird things. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't have much here uh, except, you know, I, it takes a lot usually to shake me from my initial conviction. So I, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to buy low. I did say I was out on him in redraft, worried about 12 personnel that has changed some. The The passing attack has struggled in comparison to uh, expectations heading into the season. Um, Jake Bobo's, that that's fucking weird as hell. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
he, does he have the worst sports score in human history? I, I I haven't I haven't tested it, but I assume so. He has the second worst weight adjusted forty time of any skill position player since at least two thousand. Yeah, that's yeah, it's it's like, and and honestly, I think he's good. <laughs> like, I know, I, I know. Like I, I watched him, and I'm like, this guy's a baller. I've he, been like totally adding him to rosters. He has, yeah, he ran a five zero four. That can, is that true? Uh, four nine nine supposedly in the rain or something like that. What? Bad field conditions. So here's my take. That's here's that's my a take. left tackle time. I know I, there are multiple <laughs> offensive linemen who outran him. It's insane. Here's my take: is P. Carroll's like watching this and like a scout next to him is like, all right, I, we can't take him now. There's forty times too bad. No, no, no. You know what this showed? He 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 came into this. He ran knowing he right. was going to run slower than an offensive lineman. This showed tremendous moxie. This showed grit. And as we all know, grit is more important than athleticism. And <laughs> the fact that he has like a, the fact that he runs a five zero forty and he got a rushing touchdown is unbelievable. <laughs> they were like near the goal line and they were like, let's give him a scheme touch to the guy who can't break five in the forty. It's not like we have DK Metcalf on our team. <laughs> like what? <laughs> He killed his nose ball. Absolutely okay. psychotic thing to do. And, and it worked. Um, who was that tight end last year? Um, who was like, for some people, he was like the tight end one in the class. And then he ran just an egregious 40 time. and He didn't even get drafted. Oh, Jalen Weidermeyer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Weidermeyer. That's like, that's the level of athleticism that Jake Bobo displayed. And yeah, right. he's the guy. He, he's like, if Will Disley was, I don't know. <laughs> 60 pounds lighter and uh, <laughs> exactly as slow as he is post multiple like career engine ending injuries. Well, with, I just want to point out with JSN. I think the reason why some people are not relenting on his rank has to do with, we kind of expected his playing time to be limited. If you just knew the Seahawks at all, because they run a ton of 12 personnel. He wasn't immediately coming in and taking Metcalf spot. And he definitely wasn't taking Lockett's spot, but Lockett could, or Metcalf could very well be out of town the following season. So I Lockett. think yeah, yeah. most people are holding fast. on to him at his rank and at his price because they're already expecting next year to be his year. So I, I could really see Seattle re-signing Lockett, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm oh, with you. That, I think Lockett's going to stick around for as long as he's under contract teams. People, Teams getting rid of good wide receivers is like pure fantasy football wish casting. It just never right. happens. But like this I, year, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were going to leave and Lockett's going to leave. And like people like always look at these legitimately good NFL wide receivers that are 30 and they're like, they can get out of this guy's contract. And it's like, why did, why would teams want to get out of contracts? Like Marquez Valdez Stantling signs for like $12 million a year. Gabe Davis is yeah. going to get a $50 million contract this year. You think teams want to get out of Tyler Lockett's contract? Get out of here. But yeah. eventually Tyler Lockett's going to be bad. Right, like, but I'm, he does I'm not have that many years left of being good. I just think all they needed to see was some of their priors confirmed, and now they've done that big touchdown right this week. Just crazy things happening. Getting or, oh, this week was actually impressive. Yeah, yeah. So people are seeing their priors confirmed, which is giving them a reason to hold at his value. Which is why I don't think you're seeing the drop because of situation or circumstance. The talent over situation people are frothing at the mouth for their JSN and they're, they're not going to move them down. I totally agree with you in terms of the why my pushback is I did not expect him to be very productive this year. I agree with you on that. 
but I didn't expect him to be bad per route. Like I thought he was going to run 70% of the routes and not be very useful on a redraft team. But I did think like, I would have expected him to have like 25% targets per route run and Mm -hmm. like close to two yards per route run. Like I thought it was going to be the situation of like, why won't Pete Carroll play this guy more? Like what a boomer. Like he's so good. Like I thought that was going to be what I was experiencing. (laughs) Not like, Oh, he has 1.17 yards per route run. They're more efficient out of 12 personnel. And actually I'm more aggrieved at Noah Fant's usage. Yeah. Can we get Noah Fant the ball? Like I saw your tweet or X or whatever the hell. And it was like every three plays that Noah Fant does, he unleashes some generational talent or ability, but it's only every third touch. Uh, I think the I think the tweet was every third time Noah Fant touches the football, he defies the tight end position, and yet he's eternally stuck in a beachfront timeshare with Big Montana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. I speaking of ranks, there's a player that I do want to talk about. And, and Jacob, I know when it comes to your ranks, you are a I hate ranks. Ranks are dumb. I do hate ranks. Yeah. Tears is the way right. to go. I currently have Sam Laporta as my tight end one. I'm seeing Mark Andrews. He's there. But Trey McBride has moved his way up. Uh, yeah, was this week not just sure. a mirage for you? Do you think it's just happened? Like his first read target share from the weekend was actually insane. So some people might see this as just like a blip. But I, I can't wait to hear this. I'm a believer. Um, so my take is that it's a mirage, but also that it's not. Um, so... <laughs> Okay, basically, Trey McBride has done nothing impressive in the NFL since coming into the NFL, for the most part. Like, his yards per outrun last year was egregious. His targets per outrun was egregious. He played he was in an a rookie tight end. That, rookie tight ends always suck. For sure, for, for sure, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, but, like, last year, like, the whole thing was like, oh, my God, like, Zach Ertz is producing, and Zach Ertz is the worst football player that's ever existed. So, surely, if Trey McBride got this role – you know, he would transcend space and time. And then he like, got the role and he was like demonstrably worse than Zach Ertz at it. Um, so that was pretty not encouraging to me. And then we come into this year and it was like, all right, well, whatever. Surely they're going to like cut or trade or bench Zach Ertz. Like they can't be a t- tanking team that's just going to employ the services of Often a 39-year-old. loaded knee. Like just. Uh, right. And then they were like, oh, oh no, no. <laughs> we are going to play Zach Ertz on 80% of the routes. And he is going to produce again. Uh and then they finally mixed Trey McBride in. Been a little more efficient this year. That's encouraging. And then he had this massive game. And so I, I guess it, it's not a mirage in the sense that he's a young tight end who's going to run a, ro- a lot of routes now and produce. So that's fine. That's a thing. I think it's a mirage in the sense that sometimes tight ends that play in this like low dot stick route role, like they just, I call them can meet players, right? Like it's, when, you know, there is, he's an inferior good. Like when the economy is going bad, when the government's saying you have to stay in your homes, like we're in, we're in the Great Depression, like what, what goes up in price? Toilet paper and canned meat. And when you're in a Josh Dobbs offense against the Ravens defense and nothing that you actually want to do as part of your offensive approach works, what does work? It's Trey McBride running a bunch of six-yard stick routes. So it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. He's going to do it, I guess. Um it's it's fine. We also saw with Drew Petzig as the offensive coordinator that Javid Njoku had like a complete breakout year last year. We know that Kyler Murray, when he's actually had tight ends that they've put in front of him, even though none of them are good, he does target them at a reasonable rate. So 
I think that we probably see production out of Trey McBride and he's young. So that part I think is a mirage or that part is not a mirage. I've yet to be convinced that he's a transcendent player for sure. Um, and so that part, like, um, I don't think you no, and that's what's annoying. That's what annoys me about the tight end position is right. like the, the tight ends who are actually good sometimes get taken away because they're part of the functional part of a team's offense. And then you see these annoying games from Cole Komet who sucks. And it's like, oh, he got 22 tight end premium points because he was the only part of the Bears offense that the Chargers were so disinterested in stopping. <laughs> yeah, I think that is the fine line. I think Brian's comment hits us on the head. It's a mirage because he's Dobbs safety net, but not a mirage because he's also good. So shout out, Brian. That's a great comment. Is he good? Uh, I also yeah, want to I, say I, he was my tight end one in that class. I, I was pretty high on it. Mm-hmm. On him, that's I was probably wrong, but... Uh, at least, you know, that's an argument for his, his upside, or maybe just, you know, right off his, his rookie season. But like, part of it is that it, even if it is a mirage, that's fine. Like I could see him outscoring Sam Laporta over the next five weeks and him skyrocketing up in, in terms of value, you can trade him for quite a bit. Yeah. Maybe he's just Josh Dobbs check down, but that's going to be a super valuable role, uh, heading into last week's game. McBride ranked third, Zach Ertz ranked fourth among all tight ends and targets per route run. Clear focal point of this offense, for better or worse, it is what it is. Uh, He currently ranks behind only Travis Kelsey in yards per route run. Um, So we know the production is going to be there, and he has that. uh, Like you said, he's young, so um, I can see people getting uh, really excited about him. And he has the priors, right? So people are going to – like if – like if when Tyler Higby has like at some point this year, if Matt Stafford misses time, you should mentally prepare yourself for Tyler Higby to have one random 13 target, 11 catch, 70 yard game. And then he'll do nothing the next week, but no one's going to react to that game. And be like, Oh, well, Tyler Higby had one of those weeks, but people will read into it with Trey McBride. So I think you, you get to be right regardless in the short term in the sense that if he is actually good then you get a good player and if he's not actually good other people will still perceive any production as resembling his talent and you'll be able to then make a decision later on about his talent yeah and and part of it i don't know if you already said this jacob is just like how much of a barren wasteland that the tight end position is like people are like spending insane draft capital on sam laporta because he's just a young tight end who's actually good remember what, you know, what we were paying for Kyle Pitts a couple seasons ago. And so, um, just the fact that there Can is Kyle this- Pitts go to one of these fucking stupid offenses that just wants to hand off to the tight end constantly. Do you like, know what's happening? How many, how many shit tight ends are just the beneficiary of production that the defense actively wants you to have because they don't even give a fuck. And then Kyle Pitts, it's like, Oh, go line up against the other team's number one corner. Like I'm sick and tired of this bullshit. I, Arthur Smith is a war criminal. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is infuriating to watch Cole Komet just like spam PPR points for nothing. Oh, yeah. Cal Pitts made that Van Jefferson trade and all it amounted to was kicking Cal Pitts outside to run 67% of his routes against Jamil Dean and, and Carlton Davis. Insane. Yeah, he's, uh, he's normal. Oh I want we, to have. We need to, for the for the sake of Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, and Drake London. At this point, like, 
I bet a lot on Atlanta futures this year solely because of their schedule. And I kind of believed in their defense and their skill positions. And I just don't believe in anyone else in the division, but I will sacrifice those futures. If we can get this thing to a point where Arthur Smith's job becomes at risk, because if they win this division, he's safe for another year and I can't take it anymore. Well, that was uh, something I saw when I was looking at your rankings, you had uh, uh, Drake London, 14, Chris Olave, six. And, uh, why aren't you factoring in like, I don't know, Kirk Cousins and a brand new competent head coach next year? And this because I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think they're going to win this division. Oh God, yeah, yeah, no, you might be right. His... Like they're going to they're going to win the division and they're going to win a home playoff game because they're probably going to play Dallas. And Dallas was like born on this earth to lose a wild card game to the Atlanta. Falcons. <laughs> That's like, like I just. I know what's going to happen. Like all of the smart people, quote unquote, smart people on football Twitter are going to be like, oh, Dallas is like a six and a half point favorite against, I don't even know, either Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. Um, Heineke. Actually, it'll be like three and a half because it'll be like on the road and it'll be like, oh, this is the easiest playoff bet ever. And like, what's going to happen? Like they're going to throw one ball that's like a comeback route that deflects directly off of Michael Gallup's hands into a defender. And that's going to be a pick six. And then, like, the next drive, Mike McCarthy's going to punt on, like, a fourth and one from Atlanta's 42. And they're going to lose, like, 21-19. And it'll be like, oh, my God, Atlanta won a playoff game. Like, you nerds. And then they're going to get fucking obliterated by the Niners or the Eagles. And it's going to be the Giants thing all over again where it's like, oh, we're so close. Like, we won a playoff game. We're good. I know I hate everything about what's happening in Atlanta right now, except that I'm going to profit from it. Yeah. Uh, everything Jacob said is 100% going to happen. So make sure you clip this at a later date, Tom. Oh, you know, I've already got it, baby. Speaking of the Atlanta defense, someone that I did not realize how high you had him uh, after one game, but Mr. Mayonnaise oh, yeah. in his coffee, Will Levis, yeah. jumping Justin Fields, Jared Goff, Sam, some of the other mid tiers is going to aggravate he had, so he had a better people. game than justin fields has ever had on nfl football field what about his four touchdown game where he was 15 for 29 and everyone lost their shit 15 of 29 for four touchdowns because dj moore set multiple records are you telling me that wasn't real look i mean if there's a few things we know about the quarterback position we know that upside from a fantasy perspective comes from traits we know that we're really shitty at evaluating the quarterback position um that, that's pretty much it those are the things we know about the quarterback position so <laughs> you're telling me there's a guy who is like not like gonna run like richardson run but who's functionally mobile who has a, a, incredible traits and all we know about him as an nfl player is that he was fucking dope <laughs> um, <laughs> 60 minutes against a pretty good defense like yeah i'm trying to buy will levis like here's the thing he already the Titans are fucked in terms of trying to replace him if he was bad. Like they're just not going to be good enough to functionally replace him next year. They invested the what was it second pick of a second round or something like that on him. You're so telling me they can't he's, draft a second round quarterback like again. Sure, they Three could. I, I just think it's like I think it's extremely likely that he's the week one starter next year. Sure. So let's just look at what the value of Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter was coming into this season. Probably like pretty much an early second round pick was kind of their market value zone for like a quarterback where we're like, I don't know, I don't know, um, but they're going to play. So that's probably what we're looking at for Will Levis as a value floor going into next season. 
the value ceiling is lulls the nerves get dunked on again and he's justin herbert slash josh allen slash whatever and he's worth like two and a half first because he spends the entire rest of the season just dunking on fools and pouring mayonnaise on analytics folks heads so to me it's like you buy for a late first now which i mean i've tried it in most of my leagues and it's been possible in a couple and not possible in most but you you give that a shot you're at risk you lose effectively the value of like a second round pick. And at most you gain the value of like a first round pick and a half and you do it in storing value at the most important position in the league. So I'm a hundred percent willing to embrace the possibility that I was wrong. And Will Levis is good uh, because that should always be a possibility about quarterbacks. And yeah, I'll buy high on Will Levis. Why not? He has a higher, a better career high than Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, 7.5 points above Kenny Pickett's career high one game. And I will say I am skeptical. I'll just be the first one because we've seen quarterbacks come in, be dope before and fizzle out. Okay. I'll, I'm just, I'm going to play skeptical a little bit, but when I tell you that dude, um, absolutely looked more comfortable than I ever expected. Like his, yeah, his he just his, jumps his, out of his, van, man. His, the arc dude he's awesome he's fun as fuck (laughs) screw you tommy and he was just sprawled (laughs) out on the ground and he was just yeah so comfortable uh and maybe that's because he's a 23 year old rookie and he had been around for a while say what you want to say about any of that but he looked the arm talent looked phenomenal it it looked great carolina panthers traded away caleb williams to take the fourth best quarterback in the rookie class Hmm. (laughs) you're just you're gonna push so many so many buttons if he goes out and lays an egg this is my question if he goes out and lays an egg next week buy like, does the yeah yeah yeah, back in no? yeah i'm praying that he lays an egg and i think he probably will because for, for the record like i saw some people like larky did a great thread kind of breaking down his game and like going through some success rate issues and oh like these you know these top like he was actually very inconsistent these top plays were kind of crowding it it's going to be volatile week to week I agree. My stance is not like Will Levis is already awesome and going to be awesome every week, but I've seen enough to be interested and that will continue to be the case no matter how bad he is on Thursday night. So as a person who did not draft very much Levis because I was drafting Laporta and Michael Mayer in those spots and HN, um, which don't have any regrets on HN and Laporta, but I was, so I missed out on the Levis party in the rookie draft. So I'm trying to buy eye now. I pray that TJ Watt, eats the living shit out of Will Levis on Thursday Night Football in front of everybody. And everybody's like, oh, he sucks. It was a fluke, which people will do because their priors on Will Levis were bad anyway. And I will buy through it. I'm I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He showed, dude, he, you know, bad quarterback plays in the NFL. Like Jimmy Garoppolo has played nine years in this league. And we were just subjected to absolute misery for everyone to witness in prime time. And this guy continues to have a job. And honestly, I don't even know if this is last year as a starter in the NFL. Like Will Levis showed more to me on like two throws than Jimmy Garoppolo has ever shown to me in his life. Um, I'll, I'm interested 100%. I'll, I'll, I'll ride the Levis uh, wagon. And if, if this becomes my next like Drew Locke chasing the dragon for eternity, so be it. Um, isn't fantasy football supposed to be fun? Well, then here, so then here's my next question then, uh, because I have to play both sides. I have to be you know, the man of the people. Cause Lucas isn't here. 
What does he need to do to pass Bryce Young and who has two spots higher, Brock Purdy? You have Stroud up at uh, like pretty, pretty up there. Yeah, I have, right I have Stroud 11th overall. Right. So I have Stroud 11th overall. I have Richardson 14th. I have Bryce Young 38th and Will Levis 47th. Right. So what what would Levis have to do now to pass that? Because if you said that, you know, Bryce Two Young. more games fourth, like that. Fourth best quarterback drafted. I know you're being cheeky a little bit here, but what? so what does he have to do to, to pass? Him? I mean, I'm being descriptive of what we've seen, right? Like so far, yeah. he has been the fourth most impressive. Actually, I mean, depends what mileage you get out of Tyson Bajan, I guess. He might be fifth. Oh my God, you're just that was a Scott Barrettism right there. <laughs> yeah, when you're like when you're making when you're making like an actionable point, but you're doing it in the worst possible way. That was like what I was trying to do. Uh, yeah, that's um, yeah. Brian. To be clear, maybe you are maybe you are annoyed by me saying that about Stroud, but just to be clear, that CJ Stroud that I said is 11th overall, not Will Levis. <laughs> Will Levis 47th overall. Uh, maybe you think that that's equally insane about Stroud, but I just want to make sure that that is uh, at least corrected. Um, yeah, a legit baller. What, what would Levis have to do? Honestly, if he like does that again, like this Thursday, I'll move him ahead of Bryce Young. Like my priors with quarterbacks are loosey goosey, to be honest. Okay, he, he goes from a bottom seven matchup to a top ten matchup this week. Who knows? Oof. Stop. Yeah, but this is but this is like not a good matchup, I think, for him, because like specifically to me. What's what do the Titans do badly? Like anything to do with the offensive line? And what was Will Levis's worst yeah. rate in college was like performance under pressure in the pocket. So to me, like Atlanta doesn't really Atlanta's kind of good at everything but a pass rush. Whereas mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, their best strength is their pass rush. So I think right. And, and Cam Howard, Cam Hayward's practicing in full this week. So their defense is about to get a big upgrade. If he can handle Cam Hayward and TJ Watt in his grill every every play and like deliver the ball that that would be a big step for me i'd like to see so it's a great if point. He can move I, i'd like to see him if he can, and he looked pretty comfortable in the cop pocket let's rewind that in the pocket he looked good dropping backwards i like to see how he steps up and out like that's kind of the classic elite trait for nfl quarterbacks but i do i do think you have a point here um with him i mean brian he disagrees but that's the life of quarterbacks everyone's got their their quarterback uh you guys have stroud brian's saying 11th overall is a hot take i didn't think it was a hot take yeah i think it's a hot take i i don't where where would you put stroud right now i don't know a lot lower pocket passer who's fine uh i think rookie quarterbacks just aren't very good very frequently that's just that's just my take like rookie quarterbacks are usually dog shit even the good prospects and even the ones who end up good so you mean a rookie quarterback who was a good prospect and then is good? Like, like I, I don't know. Functionally, he's not that different to me than Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. I, I see like a ceiling of high-end mid-range QB2. I, I guess it's valuable and like what? super flex. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, he he doesn't run. There's not a ton of okay, I like Joe his Burrow offensive play caller, but Burrow I mean, doesn't run. Cousins doesn't run. Goff doesn't Herbert run. Doesn't run. Purdy doesn't run. Well, I don't, I, love Brady. I, I, I don't I, care I, about I talking about like the Goths and whatever because they're QB twos. But like Joe Burrow is a mid first round startup pick. Yeah, but he's all he's like, a mid QB one. He he was a generational prospect in my eyes. Shroud, I don't know. I I think the jury's still out. There's a few games he looked good in in a, a lot of them. Uh, you know, didn't look great last week. Maybe that was more on the play caller, uh, which I think is fair. But I, I don't know. I just I, I don't see like 
like Kirk Cousins for fantasy has been awesome. I, I don't know. I don't see that upside with Stroud or there's nothing that's kind of pointed me in that direction. He's been like a fine sort of Purdy-esque game manager in a Shanahan style offense with another one of these genius play callers, but. Who he'll be tied to for presumably. Yeah, no. Well, unless he leaves, unless the he really smashes and he leaves this year, but yeah. Right. I just so, think when the, yeah. when the options you like the quarterback landscape right now is disgusting in dynasty. Like it's absolutely. That's fair. Yeah, leads. that's fair. You have I, I could just be leads. missing the macro. Yeah. So you have truly like five leads. Even Trevor Lawrence looks shaky at points. Like I'm ready to have, he's super shaky. Yeah. I'm ready to have the conversation about right. Lawrence coming up. Uh, Jacob, I d- let me before you. Yeah, I gotta miss that. So the Lawrence stuff just triggers me. Why you only have Stroud one spot, two spots behind him in Dynasty? Oh, so you're that's fine because I'm all I'm all in for Stroud. I, I just like like Lawrence. I don't like view it as like a either or. I'm just saying like people the the people who don't like Trevor Lawrence, um, like they they trigger me. Like I I think and it's usually the same people who always trigger me with quarterback stuff. It's like the EPA bros who like fell for the Jimmy Garoppolo banana and slipped on that and whacked their head on the cement. And then like are doing the same shit with Brock Purdy. Uh, and it's like the same, and it's, it's like the Baker people. It's all the people who like all their, the extent of their quarterback analysis is like a Ben Baldwin chart. And then they like post what I like, Oh, is Trevor Lawrence actually good? Like, I don't know. It's like, you could watch the games, I guess is like my take on it. I, I just think with quarterbacks, so much of it is dependent on, your system and your scheme and you're in Trevor Lawrence is consistently graded out better by qualitative metrics than quantitative metrics. I, I'm, I'm totally, I'm just totally a fan. If you want to have a metric like, that, that what matters. is an 18 point per game quarterback worth you in dynasty, that's like totally valid. But in terms of the discourse of like, is Trevor Lawrence actually good? I think it's, it's bananas. You know, what's a metric that matters to me is like fantasy production. And it's just it's really not there. If you want to stack up his 42 career starts against like any quarterback ever 42 career starts, he's like below, he's like, even with Blake Bortles and a lot of stats and below guys like Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, it's really rough. And so the film thing, I had a conversation with the, our film charters about this because I'm like, yo, I'm just out on Trevor. Like I, cause one of my PFF buddies like really thought he was an overrated prospect coming out. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting ready to just like bail on Trevor Lawrence. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like the throws he's making are sick and like dig into the data suite and you'll see on throws 10 plus yards downfield. He has one of the highest accurate throw rates, one of the lowest catch rates. And it's like, Oh wow. He's due for regression. And then that same guy came back to me. He was like, yo, I watched the tape. It's ugly for Trevor Lawrence. Here's what he's doing wrong. Sloppy footwork, something about like his back foot coming up off the ground. And then he's just like, has the opposite problem of Justin Fields. He like can't get through his progressions. He goes through his progressions way too quickly and rushes everything. I don't know. Maybe those are all fixable traits, but it's just like, have we ever seen anything from Trevor Lawrence? And we're now halfway through year three. I mean, have we ever seen anything from Trevor Lawrence? Like he had three good games at the tail end of last season. What's he done this year? He's he has been far better in real life than fantasy. Like he's yeah, piloting a very he's piling an if he's so good, why is it like a run heavy offense? Point for dropback is 0.01 better than Gardner Minshew. Oh, I think that the fantasy the, the fantasy discussion of Trevor Lawrence and the real life discussion of Trevor Lawrence are two different discussions to me. Like if you if you want to say like I don't want to invest in the like long term quarterback 
that doesn't have a ton of fantasy upside with my premium dynasty capital, like that, that's fine. That's a fine take to me. Okay. I think yeah. I think they're kind of interrelated. I think if he's as good as the hype, uh, this wouldn't be a run-heavy offense that leans on the defense. We've seen Peterson, you know, uh, sling it, play fast-paced, pass-heavy, aggressive with Carson freaking Wentz. And uh, and then on top of that, the, the fantasy production just isn't there at all. Like season high, I don't know, 19 fantasy points this year. It's it's not great. We're going to see some of the touchdowns start tilting towards the the air. Like Travis Etienne has been running. Uh, I mean, I've One of your really boys. enjoyed it. Um, so I'm not complaining about it by any stretch. Like I would prefer that Travis Etienne just continues to get two touchdowns every game. But uh, yeah, the, the best thing possible was this, the 50 yard go route touchdown to Etienne from Lawrence this week was like, that was my pants off moment of the day for sure. I just think part of, part of the Lawrence. You, you gotta like Etienne like, though, right? Like nobody can just, dis- Oh, hell yeah. Travis Etienne yeah, yeah. Now other than like bitter film people from two years ago. He's awesome, dude. Yeah. I <laughs> traded two late ones for him and I'm, 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 prospering right now if, if um, tank bigsby was named john johnson he would have went <laughs> <around seven. laughs> it was uh, tra- travis Etienne goes to the medical tent he pulled a deontay tank bigsby comes in immediate fumbles and doug was like travis i don't give a shit if you're injured get the fuck back in oh <laughs> uh, it was truly glorious uh there there's did you sorry tom being the worst today um do you I'm just here to push did you, I'm just purely like, I'm just purely trolling at this point. But did you hear Doug Peterson give the comment about how like, um, oh, Travis just has the hot hand to describe a 91% opportunity share. It's one of the most, it's, it was like objectively the funniest use of hot hand. And I love it because my case on hot hand has always been like, Actually, if you think the running back that you stand is good, you should like it. If the coach says we're going to use the hot hand because you should have enough confidence in your takes that the running back you support's hand will be hot. Um, and so I would like the Jaguars to continue riding the hot hand 90% of the plays <laughs> instead yeah. of the hand that fumbles every time he touches the ball. You know who, who said that a few days ago, though? Shane Steichen. Yes. Uh, yeah, I have, a, I'm a, I have a slight love-hate relationship with Shane Steichen. It's mostly love. Um, but the running back usage is starting to aggravate me. He's just got to ease, ease his workhorse back in. Uh, look, we've been at it for almost an hour. We could, uh, with this group, I truly think this could be four hours long. But for the sake of people listening and, uh, you know, people who, I don't know, have things to do, I don't know. But is there anyone else that stands out that you guys really want to hammer home today? Yeah, I, I got one. Uh, this, okay. I'll be honest, Jacob, this greatly upset me. Oh, um, okay. I see Chris Olave at wide receiver six and Rashid Shahid at 58. I don't know if that's a joke, but like, why isn't Shahid six and Olave 58? Was that the mistake? Well, I have, uh, well, there's a good thing that you're on here uh, this evening, Scott, because we do a really fun thing here where when you have a problem like this, that you seem to have with Shahid, we have something for that and for the people that I'm ready to get back in too. So let's get into it tonight. The honorable judge Thomas tipple. Here's case one, one seven between the people represented 
by Scott Barrett, the RT. DB represented today by Jacob Sanderson. In this court, there are only facts, only right and wrong. In the world of dynasty fantasy football, there are those who are right and wrong. Tonight, a verdict will be reached. We take you inside the courtroom right now. Yeah. So, so again, I don't know if this is just like a, a typo or something. Um, because um, part of- Scott, um, first off, there will be order in my court. <laughs> As I mentioned this is a court of law. I, of course, am your uh, always honest, never swayed judge. I am Judge Thomas Sibble. Joining me, as always, is obviously the GOAT, Judge Judith Scheinlin, here to see over proceedings. Look, this is the way it's going to go if you're new here and new to the prob- uh, program. This is what happens. The prosecutor will lead uh, with his opening statement. The defense will... Also, get an opening statement. We will hear the cases, rebuttals, and closings for the argument. Jacob, you are prosecuting these heinous uh, uh, rankings. I'm prosecuting. prosecuting. No, we have. I'm out of order. You're out of order. This whole damn court's out of order. order. You can't handle the truth. All right, that's enough. Look, we had to make it so Jacob went first. This is how I had okay. to do it. So Scott, can I, I, I can go first. What's going on, uh, Jacob? Please, okay. I, I need an opening statement. Okay, well, I'll just establish like the reality that we live in, which is that Rashid Shahid is nice and cute, um, and they let him run sixteen routes this week. So, uh, you know, the reality is Gus Bradley uh, is what we call a prehistoric species. Um, in an NFL that is currently adapted towards altering how do we stop explosive plays, Gus Bradley just continues to roll out the same blah quarters coverage that he's been running like it was 2011. Uh, and literally in the huddle, Derek Carr went to Rashid today and he's like, every single time you see quarters, I don't care what route you're assigned, run straight and I'm throwing to you. And that resulted in 158 yards and three touchdowns. Or, and what was it three catches, 158 yards and was it one touchdown, two touchdowns? One forty-four yard catch from Taysom Hill randomly. Um, uh, Rashid Shahid, we have seen Rashid Shahid. I don't know how many times. I liked his name better when he was Deontay Hardy. I liked his name better when he was Devery Henderson. I liked his name better when he was Robert Meacham. Um, the New Orleans Saints are reliable for three things in our lives. They're reliable for continuing to operate. Um, as though the salary cap doesn't exist by a complex money laundering scheme. Uh, they're reliable for turning this impressive money laundering scheme into somehow just trying to go eight and nine. Um, and they are good at making a random unheralded player that nobody's ever heard of from a goofy college into a three yards per outrun cult hero on Twitter, who then never does. You're talking about Tyreek Hill? Oh, was he, did he play for the New Orleans Saints? This is the thing. If he played for any other team, uh, but I believe Deontay Hardy just got alpha by Khalil Shakir. So one day, uh, Rashid Shahid will be playing on some NFC team uh, and will be outpaced by a Boise State day three player. And people will be wondering where our yards for outrun went. Uh, also, Rashid Shahid, I would like to sue in a counterclaim in this court um, for theft, specifically for theft of Caleb Williams, because I have Rashid Shahid everywhere and no one wants to pay anything for him because Scott's not in any of my leagues. And so he just sits there on my bench contributing like 27 max points for robbing me of the first overall pick in any league I don't want to win in. Um, and I just don't have the heart to cut him. And I certainly don't imagine I'll have the heart to cut him with Scott. So that's, that's my case and my counterclaim. 
Okay. Uh, Scott, the floor is yours for your opening statement. Yeah. So um, first, I'd like to shift the focus away from our good friend Rashid Shahid with best name in fantasy. That's that's worth something to me. Uh, back over to, to Chris Olave. And I'd like to enter into evidence, um, exhibit A, the fact that he's a late declare wide receiver, which means he sucks by Jacob's own admission. <laughs> Episode 47? Wait, no. Wait, um, wait, till you, wait till you see how many years Rashid Shahid spent continuing his education. <laughs> yeah, no. he's, he's two years older. You, you have then got a post-grad degree. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you mentioned uh, he, he had 16 routes last week. I don't know if you play in a point-per-route league or a point-per-air-yard league. In my leagues, we get points for, for real yards. And so since week 12 of last season, when Shahid started to get, you know, real legitimate usage i wouldn't say full time on caliber with olave but you know 66 percent plus route share since week 12 of last season rashid shahid has 57 more yards than chris olave on nearly half as many targets 64 versus 112 on significantly fewer routes run over this span olave ranks 11th among all wide receivers and yards per route run olave ranks 46th 46. Uh, you want to talk about like pedigree of the talent. Uh, Brian Hartline uh, didn't have, had Chris Olave below Terry McLaurin and like four other wide receivers and his wide receiver rankings at Ohio state. But I mean, he did impress as a rookie. He had a historically great yards per route run. That's one of the most predictive metrics we have for a young wide receiver. But here's the thing. Rashid Shahid ranked above him, 2.59 yards per route run. Uh, number one, Martavis Bryant. Number two, OBJ. Three, AJ Brown. Four, Justin Jefferson. Five, Rashid Shahid. Six, Jamar Chase. Seven, Chris Olave, outperforming him. Uh, I would like to hear if if Chris Olave is so good, worthy of being your wide receiver six in your dynasty rankings. Why is he getting totally cucked by Rashid Shahid? Your number wide receiver 44 doesn't really make any sense to me. And you can't blame it on quarterback play because here's this guy clearly producing the Derek Carr. Can I ask the, the opposing counsel a, a series of questions? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Am I going on okay. the, the witness stand? You just, you just listed seven names, right? In this historically strong yards for outrun, correct? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, would you like to guess how many of those seven were drafted the first round? Um, all except for Martavis and Rashid. Yeah, yeah, that's there. That's the case. So we, if we go down the list, <laughs> if we go down the list, there's Tyreek so, Hill, so Jefferson, Doug Baldwin at twelve. So I'm so I'm hearing Jefferson, Olave, OBJ. Uh, who's the other one? Jefferson Chase, Martavis, OBJ, AJ Brown, Jefferson, Shahid, oh, Chase, Olave, oh, Harvin, Nix, Tyreek, Christian Watson, Doug Baldwin. Um. Yeah, I mean, like Rashid Shahid is dope, and he's very cool, and he's like interesting enough that I'm not willing to cut him on tanks. And that's the nicest thing I can say about a partial route undrafted wide receiver. Um, like if I, I'll if, if concede, you're an undrafted, you're an undrafted wide receiver without a high snap share, and I'm refusing to cut you on a tanking team. That's basically me. Like, like having, I was going to say something inappropriate. Um, 
that's me being a fan of yours. I forgot that we got bought out by a very impressive media company and I can't make, uh, I can't necessarily make those types of comments anymore on air. Um, yeah, but that's, we're a fan of Shahid and like a cute fun, like, oh, I have this pet that I'm going to like bring to school and like have people pet my Yeah, but if he's this cute pet, then then why is he totally cucking your wide receiver six? I mean, Who's like, is he nothing. cucking my wide receiver six? Because like Olave has a twenty six. What is it? Twenty six percent target share. I want to make he's the least bet. efficient. Twenty six point six percent target receiver share in this fantasy. Thirty seven point seven percent air yard share. So, like, and he's doing nothing. All all total alpha numbers. You know who has had a stretch of half a season where they've been inefficient on elite target share and air yard share basically literally every elite wide receiver who's ever existed like <laughs> aj brown's 2021 deandre hopkins's oh. brock osweiler year like i, I can't think of the yeah but, but how often him, but how, he, how how often was uh hopkins the clear wide receiver too in terms of production what's what's to okay. to a guy you said is like a fun pet nobody you almost want to drop but he's not actually the wide receiver too. Like he's he's running extremely hot, hitting on a bunch of go routes. His targets per route run last year was absolutely pedestrian. His targets per route run this year is I, let's just pull it up here. So so it so some sometimes fourteen percent. So fourteen percent of the time that he's on the field, they decide to throw him the ball. Some sometimes low target, hyper efficient seasons lend themselves towards a lot more volume in the following season. And sometimes when you're seeing the volume of a Chris Olave and you're not producing, you're producing like a bottom five wide receiver in efficiency, you tend to lose that. I'm just saying that's, I mean, that doesn't the, seem the to be factored at all this, into your ranking. The Saints have done this like 14 years in a row where they have a rotational deep threat who runs half the routes and posts a silly yards per route run. And then the next year he stays as a rotational deep threat who does the exact same thing. And then his rookie contract expires or he like changes his name. And then they bring in a new guy who does that exact same thing. And they've had the same offense for like 15 years and they just keep doing this. Like was, was Devery Henderson better than Marquez Colston? Was Deontay Hardy better than Michael Thomas? Like, I don't, they keep, this just, I don't know who's the next guy going to be. Like well, I'm going to have to go scout like Kenesaw State and check out what 26-year-old is going to lead the Saints in yards per route run in 2026. That's No, it's a great argument, but it's also his route share is significantly above those guys. Uh, efficiency and production well above those guys and still well above Chris Olave, one of the least efficient players in all of it. Getting run circles around by your, your, your cute pet with the tongue twister name at wide receiver 44. Uh, I'll, I'll give, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll concede the point and say the defense rest. I just, I just thought that would be a, a fun debate. Don't actually have yeah. Shahid above Olave. <laughs> I do think your Olave rankings a little high though. Where, where, how many wide receivers? So just for people that don't have my ranks pulled up, which I imagine is literally everybody. I have Olave in the middle of like a tier where quite frankly, I could not give less of a shit how anyone ranks this year um, between Garrett Wilson, Lamb, AJ Brown, Olave, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, if you want to put Olave at the back end of all those guys, I'm certainly not going to argue it. Um, but beyond that, like how many other wide receivers are you naming that you're preferring to Chris Olave? Yeah, definitely at the back end of that tier. Um, I, I do just think he is like a wide receiver too like in NFL speak, just like not a true alpha wide, although he's definitely seeing that volume this year and maybe I'm wrong. Um, and I last could, year, and you know, every game he's been in the NFL. Where he was outproduced by Rashid Shahid throughout the entirety of it when he had a 
near full-time usage. Uh, Jalen Waddle, I can make a case for. Puka is like really interesting. We could talk about it. Brandon Ayuk, I think uh, I think it's it's really close. Drake London, I would probably have above Olave. I just think he's really? a, better, a better player. Yeah. I mean, I have no massive problem with that. Like, you'll never get Drake London pushback for me. I am an absolute stan. It's just that offensive environment is just like horrific. Like Drake London, like I'm never questioning whether to start Chris Olave on a weekly basis. Like I know some people who like tilt more than I do are, but there's like nothing in his actual profile in terms of his target shares, area yard share, the overall offensive functionality to where I'm like, do I start Chris Olave this week or Tyler Lockett? But like Drake London, like it's like like literally what's the ceiling in a given week in that offense. It feels like, it feels like getting to 20 points would be a Herculean accomplishment um, in the Atlanta Falcons offense. So I, it's just, a, I, that's why I can't do it with London when I think that they're broadly comparable. You get that's London fair. It does feel quarterback like upgrade. If they sign Kirk Cousins next year and they have literally any coach other than Arthur Smith, like Tom Tipple's the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons next year. I mean, I mean even with he's a top Arthur's five former, guy. That's year. former record setting uh, in the high school ranks, offensive coordinator, Tom Tipple. Thank that's you very true. much. I mean, um, e- even with Arthur Smith, like people are discounting how bad Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota are like they're This is like arguably less hus- hospitable than, than Zach Wilson. Um, you you want to pull up the last comment because that's exactly why I'm wrong in this debate. And, and Jacob's right. Uh, yeah. Adam Harstead like beats this drum volume is efficiency. There's typically a reason the low route share guy is, uh, you know, capped in terms of, of routes. He's just their zone beater. He's not much more than that. And the target, like I'm calling Chris Olave, a DFS regression candidate and a buy low every week in my own articles. Um, for sure. Mm-hmm. I just, I mostly just thought this would be a, a fun half, so, half hearted. It, it is yeah. fun. And it's weird for me. Chris Olave, like so perfectly encapsulates this trap that I end up getting locked to all the time in dynasty. And it, like, I never even really liked Chris Olave. Like I was like clearly wrong on Chris Olave as a prospect. I thought he was kind of a beta. Um, and then like you always, I, I don't know how many times I've gotten into the situation where there's a player that I don't really like who then runs bad, but then I've become like, the like truther for this player who I used to dislike. Um, and it's, it's, it's tilting. I dislike it like very much. Like I, I originally had, originally I had him above Garrett Wilson because I was like, well, Garrett's in like the Zach Wilson hellscape and whatever else. And then Tom suggested that that was something that Scott wanted to fight about it. And I, and I was like, I simply cannot abide that. Like I simply like I'm not going to ever get on air and say anything bad about Garrett Wilson, who's like my favorite football player in the universe. Um, so Dude, if Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers didn't get hurt, he would be going fucking dumb. Insane. Okay. So just for the people, I'm making my call. It's going to be Alave because Scott was wrong, uh, <laughs> has been wrong about this Alave thing since he made me sit there last night uh, at an hour that was unacceptable talking about Shahid. When I hate to break this to you, Scott, the one thing that does matter is production. Shahid is not outscoring Olave on the season, so get wrecked, scrub. In standard leagues, he is. Um, oh, dude, yeah, actually, that, that, yeah. that's enough out of you. With uh, Scott, Scott, you, you actually, you actually end up in contempt of court for mentioning standard leagues. <laughs> we're yeah, we're gonna get out of the courtroom before Scott gets arrested. Okay, look, that little introduction, 
the old people VRTDB. There is one more sentimental farewell we have to do before we get out of here. Uh, look, fantasy football is ruthless. Fantasy football is heartless. It will get your hopes up and it will shatter your hopes and dreams, which is why here on Dynasty Points tonight, as we are accepting great loss, whether it be for legal slash wasn't good enough to get on the field anyway, or high hopes had a terrible Jersey number and is just hashtag not good tonight. We say goodbye to two fantasy assets uh, on our dynasty rosters and dynasty futures. Jacob will let you take this away with the eulogy of Skymore. Go ahead. I was promised that the sky was up. I once said that the sky was up and there were people like one Scott Barrett who embraced his inner chicken little to say, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And alas, I tried to hold up the sky with all the might that I had, but unfortunately my hands, just like Sky Moore's own hands, catching literally any pass that's ever thrown in his direction, failed me and in fact the sky has collapsed on my face on my hands and on my dynasty rosters Mr. Moore you replaced the dream of an ascension to the heavens with a descension into a bottle of sky brand vodka which I'll Never again take a small school early declared beta without any level of athleticism. Who on Father's Day gives a call to Dwayne Eskridge. Rest in peace, Sky Moore. Oh, a truly, truly sad time. Um, for Jacob said, where I'm happy that you were able to. It was better than he deserved, Jacob. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that probably. guy fucking blows. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's you know walking out and someone finally says what everyone's it's, thinking. Has it's actually a funeral home to uh, I actually know, have a funny. Boss. I have a funny story on this where like I was in Vegas for the first game of the season. Um. And so I was draft. I was like drafting some teams, whatever. And so we we're all at this watch party with like a bunch of fantasy guys, specifically a bunch of ship chasing guys. And of course, like Sky Moore became kind of like a weird brand play, um, just because his name was Sky mostly, and he was just every nerd's favorite receiver. And so I'm watching this game with um, Pat and with Ben, and we're just like watching Sky Moore just repeatedly drop passes and not get any separation. And like in the second quarter, like, and we're just also getting progressively more drunk as this is going on. And at first it was like, guys, Sky might be like really bad. Uh, and then like towards the end, it was like, this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> like what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> well, oh, man, it was, it, it just, it was, it was over pretty quick. Um, I don't know how for two straight years, I've taken the position of literally I'm going to draft any Chiefs wide receiver with a semblance of upside on the offense with Patrick Mahomes and surely one of them has to hit and how that mm-hmm. somehow continued to be a losing proposition. Like you'd think mm-hmm. that you'd think that that's an unlosable take of just they have seven wide receivers. I'll draft them all and one of them's got a hit. But 
Apparently he, not. Even, I guess kind of receiver is hitting, but like not even really. He's top 10 in yards per route run, and he hit a season-high 55% route share last week, number one among the wide receivers. I have no idea what they're doing. It's not working. It's stupid. <laughs> well, I give an honorable mention to Kadarius Tony in regards to the Chiefs wide receivers because he, yeah, he also blows. has also he been blows. bad. But speaking on another Chiefs wide receiver that if you were watching my on-screen introduction to fantasypoints.com, it was best ball breakdown. Uh, one Scott Barrett could not resist mentioning this player's name from the fourth round all the way down to the 18th. And tonight <laughs> he says goodbye uh, to one of the loves of his life. That is Justin Ross. So Scott, another name with one more Y than anyone needed in it. Yes. Uh, Scott, when you're ready, feel free to discuss. Floor's yours. Thank you. Thank you all for, for coming here today. Uh, I, I know it's never easy to say goodbye, especially when, when someone in the prime of their life or playing career is, is taken from us to... S- <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me, let me start over. Justin Ross was a great man. Well, okay, apparently he was a piece of shit. <laughs> he, was, he was a great wide receiver, at least once upon a time as a freshman at Clemson competing for targets against older players with day two draft capital or pro bowl pedigrees players like T Higgins, Amari Rogers, Hunter Renfro. He led the team in receiving yards despite not starting a single game, 4.98 yards per route run the most by any player in college football history. He was productive again the following season, but then after that, diagnosed with a congenital fusion in his neck or spine. Multiple neurosurgeons told Ross he should never play football again. In 2021, he defied all the odds, returned to football, but Klippel file syndrome was only the start of his problems. That year, he missed all of training camp due to rehab, lost 15 pounds due to COVID, fractured his foot on the second play of his first scrimmage of the year. In November, that fracture became unstable, fully broke, underwhelming season still hampered by that broken foot at his pro day he went undrafted in 2022 as everyone expected but glimmer of hope he went to the nuts team with a perfect landing spot ross would have to be shut down for the entirety of his rookie season so he could fully rehab there's no way the chiefs could keep him on the roster all year for this uh for this UDFA with a ton of question marks, but that's exactly what Andy Reid did because he saw the potential in our good friend, Justin. And soon enough, we all saw that potential. Justin Ross clips were going viral every day during Chiefs training camp. He looked dominant in the preseason. Week five, just a few short weeks ago, Jim Nance told us that Patrick Mahomes had been comping him to DeAndre Hopkins. It was my insanity comp for him. Every other Chiefs wide receiver sucks ass. Ross defied all the odds, and it looked like the breakout was coming soon. But then Ross was charged with domestic battery and criminal damage, which leads us to to where we are here today, where we have to pay our final farewells to a prospect many thought would be the second coming of Larry Fitzgerald. Ross overcame a lot throughout his career, but he, he, he couldn't overcome this. Hopefully you sold high months ago, and we could all pretend this was a perfectly executed pump and dump scheme on my part. 
Wait, do you guys do you guys hear that? Wait, is is that is that coming from the the coffin? Oh could, no! Could it, could it be? It's not. Justin no. Ross still lives. Wait, what's that? Andy Reid has no problem with garbage human beings so long as it's not on video <laughs> and coming from the most devalued position in football. Tyreek Hill, Frank Clark, Charles Amenihu, Michael Vick, Willie Gay, the list goes on and on. Andy Reid knows that morality and scruples are a competitive disadvantage on the NFL gridiron. The NFL placed him on the commissioner exempt list and the Chiefs still haven't dropped him. What's that? Scott wasn't wrong. He was just a year early. Guys, I think I think Justin Ross is knocking. And opportunity knocks as well. It's clear. Now is the time to buy low. Oh my god. Oh no. We have to ladies and gentlemen, we're sorry. Uh obviously sometimes uh grief can surely uh take over and some people just don't want to let go. <laughs> it's okay. That's why but... the Dynasty Points podcast is sponsored by Euthanasia. Yeah. <laughs> the youth in Asia. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh truly remarkable. I'm glad that Scott, you could somewhat uh, finally reveal to the people that you are in fact incorrect as uh, your co-workers have been trying to do for seemingly two years. I'm happy that we could get you back on here and let the people know that um, it's Jover. Uh, it's so Jover. It's been Jover. And I'm happy that we've managed to, to get here. Uh, look, to send it off. Look, Jacob, we're not going to do underdog picks this week because we've just had so much but i will get us to run through our player picks for the week this was our most successful uh week ever doing this game where one of us just didn't have nothing but zero see scott true. uh the crowd is still on your side never wrong just early uh forever raining down in the chat from liam uh Scott, what we do here is I know we're a dynasty show, but we need to have some sort of competitive edge. Uh, so seeing as how fantasy points covers day one and day two of the rookie uh, draft very well, full tilt slash dynasty points will be live the third day of the draft. As we were last year, what we do here is each one of us, Lucas, not being here. He's on vacation, a very much earned vacation. Uh, we each pick a player with the quarterbacks that's outside of the top 15, running backs outside of the top 15, wide receivers outside of the top 25, and tight ends because they are god-awful outside of the top 10 in standard, just regular PPR, no bonuses, no nothing, four-point passing touchdown. It's basic it can get. We pick a player from those weekly ranks every week. We total up the points at the end of the year. The winner gets to pick the beverages the other two hosts consume during the live draft, uh, if you want to go back and watch, it's still out there. Jacob had Billy having a six-course meal of Canadian classics, and Billy was almost unable to stay with us for the entirety of the evening. I can't wait for this year because I'm in the lead. And Jacob, uh, because you are coming up last, although you had Carr, JT, Ridley, and McBride last week, you put up 18 points. Good week. You go absolutely berserk. Correct. I did go berserk because I am the shit. Uh, you are coming up last at 330.38, even with a free week. So suck on that hater. Who are you going with right now for week nine? Uh, I've got uh, Taylor Heineke, 
um, where mm-hmm. like I don't know who's going to start, but I assume that if Ritter was going to start, that Arthur Smith would just say Ritter's going to start. So to me, like any of this obfuscation just implies that Heineke's going to start. Um, like nothing more perfectly Arthur Smith than finding himself into like, a, is this guy benched? Is this guy concussed? Oh, media has like very rational questions about who your starting quarterback's going to be or like why you didn't play him anymore after the first half. And he's like, you guys just don't understand. It's all very simple. <laughs> like, I got to hate that guy. Football, that's why. All that being said, Minnesota Vikings defense is not very good. And uh, even as a Ritter rider, um, I like I it's like it's like 90 percent a bit like I acknowledge that he does suck. So I think Heineke also sucks, but he probably sucks less than Ritter. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons offense is like actually kind of sort of fun if and when the quarterback doesn't play like total balls. We saw that against Houston. We saw that in the Green Bay game. We saw that for moments against Washington before Ritter started throwing picks everywhere. Uh, I think it's going to be a good week for them. Uh, and by all accounts, Drake London's fine. So that should help him out. And then uh, we've got Jerome Ford, mostly because I want to do a little leverage play against Tom, who I need to catch yeah. up on this week. He'll get to his pick that. later. Also because Arizona is really bad. And notably, 22 of Jerome Ford's 26 snaps came in the second half. So my read on that is they were like, Ford is our ideal guy. We have no idea if we're going to be in this game or if he's going to be healthy. But once they found themselves in it in the second half and he was good to go, they're like, we're riding him, not this dusty old Kareem Hunt fellow. Deontay Johnson, absolute masterclass Deontay performance. Everybody should check out Scott's tweet uh, about Deontay this week. Uh, Just he was truly up to his old tricks, but he was up to his old tricks with a career high air yards uh, total for his entire career this week. His ADOT this year is up way above what anybody's ever expected. He's actually continuing to earn alpha target volume, but he's doing it on a legitimate alpha wide receiver ADOT. Uh, Pretty excited about Deontay against a porous uh, Tennessee secondary. And then we've got ourselves Michael Mayer this week. The Giants um, just scheme-wise love to give it up to the tight end position historically uh, under Martindale, and they're just bad. Um, I don't know if Jimmy G is capable of feeding Michael Mayer, but tight end sucks and I had to pick someone. So I guess I picked Michael Mayer. Yeah, you were late uh, to the plunge. I'll read off Lucas's. Lucas's is coming in second right now, barely, but he has 343.84. He is rolling with Mac Jones, Zach Daddy, RB1, and Indy Moss. Jordan Addison. That one's a rough one. We'll see what happens with who they start. And he's starting Kate Otten. I don't understand the Kate Otten thing. I think he's, I think he sucks. That's and fine. It doesn't current... matter. I'm, I'm just becoming a tight end nihilist. I just all I want is tight ends who suck in bad offenses now. <laughs> and of course, your leader in total points because I am just the only man smart enough to take Dak Prescott this week. Uh, I lead with three fifty five point zero two. I went Dak, Javante, Michael Pittman Jr., and Kincaid. I had a hell of a week, and this week is no different. I am taking Mister Mayonnaise in his coffee. Will Levis. Thursday against the Steelers. I'm taking Kareem Hunt because he is their red zone inside the five guy. If Ford scores, it's going to have to be from 70 yards out or like he did before 69, which nice. Uh, Jacob doesn't read very well because I had Deontay Johnson already. Uh, no. But because Jacob does these last, he doesn't no, read. No one else is allowed to pick Deontay Johnson. That's part of my contract is that only I'm allowed to we pick We will Deontay settle Johnson. this outside of the program because <laughs> I don't have time to go back through. And I have, I have sovereignty over the island of Who Deontay Johnson the for eternity. On this 
fucking program and it's not him it's me <laughs> so i will get final say because i am him and at tight end i will go with Taysom the quarterback hill for some cheap points so i can continue this run um you know what i'll i'll just take um i'll just do the stack i'm gonna i'm gonna take deandre hopkins i think uh, i'm just gonna have to do it and take the stack I'll do it real quick. I will take Hopkins, but I'll also point out that if Deontay Johnson goes absolutely nuclear, uh, Jacob rigged it, and uh, somehow sure. that played a point in it. Uh, he will not go absolutely nuclear. A Deontay Johnson nuclear game is what he just did, which is Without 27 expected kick, fantasy points, 18 actual fantasy points. No, Pickett's going to play. You think he's going to play? I'm the, uh, he's been cleared. Oh, has he? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Scott, Scott you're, you're, the, the, you're like the GOAT at going way deep into the micro-analysis Yes. And telling us who's going to beat a very specific coverage or team. You, this is like got to be up your alley. Like if you played on this, you'd win by 300 points. Who's going off this week? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm still working on the everything report, which is all look back. Uh, tomorrow I start my look forward. So uh, sorry. All right. Anything. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. So that's, that's the program. That's what we do here. This is Donnie's points. This is number two. Uh, if there's anything else, I'm currently going back through the chat because I always promise that I'll go back and scroll through. Remember to leave a comment on this show. Hashtag Dynasty Points. Best comment gets a shout out next week and your question will be answered no matter what. But the comment's got to be good. I got to say right now, the comment that's winning it for me is from XX Pesky. Pete Carroll is weird and does weird things. I don't think we should hold it against him. Whatever he gets up to in his own bedroom, Brian. Yo, he's a, he's a freak. I know what kind of porn he watches. He uh, goes into Pornhub and pulls up tape on that Patriots Bills game where they, they the Patriots ran the ball forty times. Is Pete Carroll revenge porn? The Seattle. Do you think he chews gum while he watches porn too? He's just like definitely socks socks on and choose gum i think his revenge porn would be like do you think he uses the gum somehow like when he's having sex like is he like (laughs) he does that and will disley highlights and 9-11 conspiracy (laughs) theory videos will disley has to have some sort of compromising information on pete carroll like that's the only explanation for his continued presence one of the craziest stats is like if you looked at Will Disley starts where he didn't get hurt in like his first 16 starts he, without an injury, he was averaging like 20 fantasy points per yeah. game. And then he suffered like five Achilles injuries. <laughs> Insane. Insane. Brian says you have to be Harley Quinn next year. So get that uh, on the list. Absolutely. Earn, what up, Earn? We'll see you Sunday on the final points as always. Shout out to you, Scott. As I mentioned, you are the commander-in-chief and one hell of a good sport for what you have done on this program. I mean, the highlights of your shows, every time you're on, uh, send shockwaves through micro-dynasty discords. Uh, this is my favorite show to do. Look at Come that. on anytime, guys. Yeah, like that. We do. That means, that means a lot for us. And look, we do things different on here. I, I say it in the beginning. We have fun here, and you should too. Dynasty fantasy football does not have to be a bummer. Podcasts do not have to be a bummer. You can have fun with this, and that's what we like to do. We know we don't take ourselves too, too seriously until someone decides to tell me that George Pickens is an alpha when he doesn't get offensive pass interference calls going his way. Uh, Fake alpha. Okay, look, Scott, you just mentioned that you're working on something. Uh, For the full tilt listeners who don't know, 
what's your big ticket piece this week? And when uh, the everything that? report comes out tomorrow and then DFS slate breakdown comes on Saturday. And don't forget cashing points on Friday. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that free this week. The first time this year, cashing points has been free. Cashing points will be free for everyone. You do not have to be a premium subscriber to get it. You're not going to want to miss it. It is the best DFS show out there. Jacob, you mentioned you did an early rankings buff just for one pimp daddy cowboy hat wearing gold chain slinging Scott Barrett. What do you have for thinking about thinking this week? And if you want the link to thinking about thinking, it is in the description. You're going to want to get it. That is Jacob's Substack. Um, yeah, a little different schedule this week. Normally, I have the Sunday Drive, which is my like running back landscape column that comes out Tuesday morning. But honestly, it was an extremely boring week from like a running back usage and injuries perspective. There was like two interesting backfield shifts. Um, so I decided to not do that because I want to focus on two like really big stories, which was one, the massive Jameer Gibbs game and what to do about him. And then the second being is my favorite player in the NFL, horrible football now. Um, and so I want to focus on those two things. And since one of them happened in Monday night, I was like, we're going to switch the order. I have this reasons to trade and dynasty column ready to rock in the hopper. So we're going to hit publish on that bad boy. Um, that you can catch right now. I wrote about Mostly Settlers of Catan, but also a little bit about fantasy football. And then uh, you will have the uh, modified Sunday drive, mostly focused on Gibbs and Pollard on probably Friday. Love that. And if you're not subscribed to Think About Thinking, you should be. It is. And the race. I don't, re- I don't read a lot about fantasy football. Uh, it's just not my choice of media. But Jacobs is must read. Yeah, it's strong true. vouch. One of, the, one of the sharpest minds in the game. 100%. And of course, for myself, well, I have my hand on pretty much most things YouTube for fantasy points. Of course, we do have the full tilt Devi pod that will go live tomorrow. And again, everything fantasypoints.com. If you're here, hit that sub button, leave a comment. Like I said, hashtag dynasty points gets your comment read potentially. Ask those questions. We'll see you in the Discord. Get in there. We have some fun things coming for content in the discord as scott likes to point out i say phenomenal a lot and this show was just that absolutely phenomenal it was uh perfect this was the halloween spooky episode uh truly just a great time good night everybody remember that clear eyes and full hearts can't lose in your best days they're always spent tilting good night 